love that. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Feed Me Your Construction Content. I am Carolyn McMahon. And I'm Joshua McMahon. Boo, great to have you back. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, you're here every day, but <laughs> have you back in the saddle of, of, of our podcast? Yes, good to be back in the podcast room. What are we teeing up this week? Let's see. So we're continuing our journey on our mm. home, our dream home build. This week, we're going to focus on finance and budgeting. Yeah, this one was a big one for us because we are going through the bank piece and getting our financing, you know, financing the land, financing the construction loan and getting all that teed up and uh, just really dialing that in. And we wanted to get on the mics and really talk about three different things, financing the build, budgeting for your build and managing the budget throughout the build. So these are our three real big focuses for this show and real big focuses for us personally, as we start this journey of building our own home. Yeah. So if uh, anyone's considering building their own home, give it a listen. <laughs> I hope you learned something. Yeah, definitely. You'll definitely learn something. We're passing along anything that we learn. And, th- and that's what we want to do with this podcast. So we want other people to learn from our mistakes and our lessons learned so you can have a better experience. Right. So first piece was the finance. Well, we talked about the land last week, right? Yes, that's we, right. We found the found the land, purchased, accepted. We are uh, speeding towards closing on April 20th of the land. So yes. in that process was uh, getting everything financed. A couple of things that we've learned. There are construction loans and there are end loans. And you may be asking, what's an end loan? What's an end loan, Josh? That is the loan that basically bundles the land in the construction loan into a conventional loan. Right. So or that's more your, traditional loan. Right. That's your permanent loan. Yep. So we're working with a great bank, a local outfit who uh, partners with another bank for the construction piece and got all the docs Correct. real quick, quickly to them. We were approved for our end loan like lightning fast. I think it was probably 14 days from when we started this process to being approved for the end loan. And that means that we had to pull a lot of documents together. I had to do the 2022 taxes, <laughs> which I didn't want to do right away because we you know, owe money at the end of the year. But we got it done in very quick time. 14 days, we had the end loan approved. We were ready to roll. Right. So we were all smiles, construction loan. Moving along, and then yesterday we uh, we got dealt a, a a pretty hard blow initially. Yes, the debt to income ratio for a construction loan is completely different from the end loan, and we have a rental property which was not a rental property last year, so we didn't have any rental income. So that debt went against our debt to income ratio versus having as an asset, it's more of a liability. So it hurt our numbers. Right. So couple that with not being able to use the rental income this year either. So then that's just another little aside to, you know, when can you use rental income as a positive versus a negative? Right. There, There is some secret sauce formula for that. So our debt to income was perfect for the end loan, but it did not qualify us on the construction loan. Yeah. So, you know, get this information in an email. Josh sends me a text yesterday and says, did you did you get that email from Randy? And I'm like, oh, no, what what's going on? And then it was, oh, it was bad. It was bad. The ship had sunk when that email came across <laughs> and everything was done. There was no options. Got back on the horse and we've made the decision that we're going to break up the, the loan. So we're going to close on the land on April 20th, I believe. And a few days to a week later, we'll close on the construction loan. So the yeah. downfall to that is paying a closing cost twice, paying closing for the land then paying closing for the construction loan, then paying closing again for the end loan. So it's a, it's a few thousand dollars extra 
that we didn't want to spend. Or, you know, six. Yeah. A few a few thousand times two. <laughs> so it's money we didn't want to spend. It's money we didn't have just sitting around to spend. But, you know, it's the price of playing the game. Right. You have to do it. So the land piece we had to close on. So from the bank's perspective, we had to own the land. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the land with our deposit, it appraised for a much higher value than our um, sales price. So we could then use that equity towards approving us for the loan. So it's going to turn out fine. And the funny thing is, is that we actually have to come with less money to close the construction loan. Yeah, I I can't tell you how any of that crap works. It's so ridiculous. Whatever. So you smart people in bank land, you're probably just, you know, gnawing your head going, yep, yep, yep. We had to get rid of some on the books debt, roll it into something else. Then we suddenly qualified. Then the end loan will be even less because now our DTI is even lower than it was when they qualified us for the end loan. So long story is that the loan's moving on. <laughs> yeah. And if, if any of you lost track of what the heck she was saying, so have we. <laughs> things things don't make sense. The bankers know best. We know that. They, they've got our best interest at heart. So we are f- moving full speed ahead. So- for us, construction loan was the only option as we're going to do the land and the construction loan is separate now. So, so be it. We wanted to touch on, we talked to several banks before we got to the bank that we're currently using and, and several banks. One was said, yeah, we do a construction to perm loan, but you can't self-build it. You have to go hire a builder to then build your house. Well, I'm a class A contractor in the state of Virginia. I have the build designator. I'm going to build my own house. It doesn't make sense to pay someone else to, to do what I do, right? So several banks wouldn't finance it. Or they would finance the construction loan, but then wouldn't do the permanent loan. Yeah, it was it was really funny. We reached out to our realtor who gave us a great recommendation of William Hendricks, who's, I believe he's the principal of Integrity Home Mortgage, who has been an absolute rock star. His team's been rock stars. I mean, oh, just a smooth process. Flawless. And when we hit, when we got this curveball earlier this week with not being able to do all these loans together, his team jumped in, rallied, helped us see the big picture of what was going on and what we were doing. And I mean, a little bump in the road and we're back on our feet again. Right. So it definitely takes a little bit of faith, which I am skeptical, as you all know. Uh, so we're just going to, we're going to believe and push on. So, you know, we're, we had pumped the brakes a minute. You know, why are we getting all these budgets and, you know, doing these estimates if the loan's not going to go through? So we, we pause for a sec, back on track. I, I've got to say that concrete is not the number it used to be. Well, and, and Carolyn's segueing into our next piece, which is budgeting the home building project. And this has been a struggle a little bit for Carolyn, I think, and I'm speaking for you, because when you start looking at each individual cost code or each activity and each number, it can become overwhelming very quickly when you see a number of $29,000 to put your foundation in the ground. You're like, you got to be freaking kidding me. I don't even see that. What's What's $29,000 getting me? And then you start dissecting it and you realize labor is one thing, but the concrete prices in Richmond are through the roof. Concrete prices are nothing like they've been in the past. And the escalation in concrete prices has been very hard to to keep your hands around and there's not many options. So it just 
it kind of is what it is unless you change gears. And so we were going to do all poured walls, which we still might, but now we're actually, we're, we're pricing block. So there's two different foundation types that we can do to maybe save money. And we're just feeling our way through what's the best thing for our budget, for our specs and what we want to build. So that's the fun part of, of building this budget is finding something that doesn't match the number that you were hoping for and then looking for another option. Some of that stuff can be unforeseen because you think it's going to be one price and it's $15,000 more. <laughs> you've got to be nimble and you've, you've, I'm not going to say you have to pivot, but you got to find other options to, to keep moving the job forward, getting it done. And then the real thing is we got to look at the big picture. What's the total price of the home? Because if we get lost in the weeds on one number, we could get, we could throw everything off. Well, I mean, I understand that it's, it's a budget Tetris. <laughs> That's exactly if, what it if, is. If you will. I mean, if, the concrete number is $15,000 more than, than hopefully you've overestimated on another category, which we did find some savings Correct. and certain things. But for those of you that know Josh, that cat is much bougier than me. <laughs> Man, he wants some fancy things. And, uh, you know, he may may have to work a little harder to get those things. <laughs> I, I, I want what I want. I want what I want. <laughs> And so, you know, we're going to design on it on dime. That's right. <laughs> well, and that that's the thing. Like, so we started by creating a budget, which basically said, hey, from clearing the lot to closing and every activity in, in between that. And we wrote every single one of them down on a spreadsheet. And then we said, okay, what do we think this is going to cost? So just a, a gut feeling guesstimate. This is the number. And we came up with a baseline number, which some of the items I estimated too low or guesstimated too low, which then shot me in the foot later when Carolyn's saying, that's way over budget. You got to, something's wrong. Something's, nothing's wrong. It's just my, my brain or my gut isn't as good as it needs to be. And we got to go look at something else. <laughs> but remembering we're still working with a finite number. We are. And, and that's, that's exactly right. So how much is the bank going to loan us? to build? How much do we qualify? At the end of the day, the numbers have to work or you're going to have to come out of pocket. With a lot more money or you're not going to qualify or I mean, just a number of things that can go wrong. So yeah, we're dialing in that budget. So we've got the guesstimates. As we get bids, we're plugging in the bid, we're comparing it to the guesstimate, and we're just really being hyper-focused on those numbers and saying, okay, where are we at on our, our big picture number? Do we need to make changes? Do we need to make cuts? Like, hey, cabinets are going to be $40,000 budget. Okay, we need to cut that back and we need to do it for you know 60% of that price. And those are some of the creative ways that we're going to have to come up with and we have to work through. And, and everybody will when you start doing this. So with the budget, we took every activity, but then we also created a specifications page, which covered every single thing that we could think of that we're putting in the house with exactly how we want it to go. If you're a production builder, you have selection sheets, custom builders, you have specifications, whatever you have. We have specifications for every single activity down to the, down to the nails that we want to use. Everything is detailed so that when Trades are bidding the job. We're bidding it to the specification. So it's not, this is what I think I want you to do. And then when they come do the work, oh, this is what I really want you to do. And now the price is different because remember, we want to control the budget too. So having all that stuff dialed in, having some kind of purchase order system or some kind of agreement in paper, in paper, I think it's on paper, <laughs> having an agreement on paper that both parties agree to is going to have us having a much better experience between us our, and our trade partners. Well, and it was twofold too, because we also had to get a pre-construction appraisal. 
That's correct. For the build as well. So Which, the so the specifications were important for that detail as well. Correct. How is an appraiser going to know what to value your home without it? So you, you know, you definitely want to uncover any type of value in the home, what you're using. Now, what folks sometimes don't understand and what we're learning is that the appraiser's not going to give you extra value for your Level five granite. Exotic granite. Right. They just know that it is a solid surface versus laminate. Correct. Or, you know, that it's cabinets versus you know, like maple cabinets that they're painted. They don't care what the core material is made Correct. of. And so you just try to give them enough information to to value your selections at, at a fair market value. Well, and we did it. And remember, when we first came up with our budget, our plans, kind of what we thought we wanted to build, we undervalued what the properties actually were. So the appraiser came in at, I don't know, 15% higher than what we had estimated. Right, which is great news. And then there's our target, right? We don't want to be over a certain budget. We don't. And, And with that being said, so the bank says that the house or the property is worth more, or the appraiser says it's worth more. That didn't mean that we could go then now go spend more money because it's worth more money. We still want to build it to our budget because with interest rates what they are, the reality is we have to pay this back. Well, right. And, and still <laughs> no one holds prices. I mean, we're, we're budgeting. We haven't begun the build. Um, Correct. So, so there's a lot of right. moving parts. So, and, and on right. that point, my number one tip on saving money on your project, don't act like you know everything. I'm not looking at you on purpose. I'm just saying it out loud. <laughs> Listen, we decided kind of uh, mid talking about this that everybody needs to stay in their lane, right? Yes, Carolyn's the designer and I'm the builder and we are doing our best not to not to step on each other's toes. We, I value her opinion and she values mine, but we have to be careful to respect each other's geniuses because Carolyn's the best designer in the business. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> what are they saying? You don't want to know. <laughs> well. And I'm not the best builder in the business, which is why I don't act like I know everything. And I'm going to ask for help from contractors. And I'm going to show a lot of humility and respect because they know their craft better than most people. And I think that's very important. All right, moving along. Third step in this podcast is managing your budget. This is the most critical piece because you can create a great budget. All you purchasing guys and gals out there listening, you can create a great budget. You can have it all dialed in and think it's all perfect. But if it's not accurate, you have set up your people in the field for failure. So how do we manage the budget? By having really detailed specs, having a clear understanding, and having a written document to support both parties on what they're doing. We intend to track every expense as we're building this and compare it back to our budget to make sure we're in line. I'm just giving you this look like, really? We're going to do this because you are garbage at this. No, I'm <laughs> this this is this is a lot of money at one time. And it's our money. So it's it's a little different. You've got to be extremely dialed in on this piece. I can be. I know I can be. I'm very dialed in on this side. Okay. Stay I don't have the same tenacity that you do. Stay tuned, folks. But but when it comes to invoices and money and, and paying bills, I'm a hawk on this. Okay. Well, I am excited to see that side. You're going to see it. And here, here's how we're going to help ourselves do that. We're going to set up a dedicated bank account, a separate bank account that's all the bank draws will go into and all of the vendors and trades and suppliers will be paid from. 
Okay. So, but we're not tapping into my burner account, right? I don't know what burner accounts you have. <laughs> Would you care to tell the listeners what, what your burner account is? Carry on. Is it like a Tiger Woods account or something? Like, uh, Oh, we've it- learned the lessons. We all have burner phones now. <laughs> We're going to create some kind of purchase order system. And I don't know what that means. It's not going to be the same as somebody using Marks or Build Tools or, or Builder Trend or any other program. It'll be something more basic, maybe just from Google Sheets or Excel or, or Word. Yeah, it's got to be something a bit homemade. It'll have to be homemade because we're not doing this multiple times. But it'll have all the specifications, what we're looking for. It'll have you know basic stuff that we expect from the job and it'll have their signature on the document and our signature it's it's a binding contract for them to do the work and feel confident that they're going to get paid we are going to review our budget and expenses often this this is where it's going to be hard cuz this is where i don't think i'm really good at like i'm good at double checking each item as they come in and verifying it to our budget and our purchase order system but I don't think I'm I'm good at saying, hey, every week we're going to sit down and look at our budget and figure out where we are. Like I think that's where you're going to be really strong because you're dialed in on knowing everything, like the big picture of all of that, and then helping me see where we made a mistake or where we need to make improvement. Okay, well, I you know we're, we're going to do the best we can to to fumble through this. Well, all I can say is that I know at the end we're going to have an amazing kick-ass house. There is no doubt in my mind about that. <laughs> so let's let's talk about some pitfalls that I'm already anticipating. The biggest one is foundation. Man, I feel like if we can get through the foundation unscathed, we're in pretty damn good shape. Because the foundation, why, why am I worried about it? Soils. What if we dig down and we find something that you can't expect? And, and there, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You can start digging and find that you've got bad soils and you've got to put grade beams through the entire house. You could blow your budget $30,000 with one shovel. That didn't mean to scare you. <laughs> so f- found- Daggers. Daggers. <laughs> Foundation is the biggest one that I'm worried about, though. So I'm really worried about the earth. Framing is the next one I'm worried about because we all have dealt with the framing material numbers and how drastic they've been. If you're in Richmond, you've been dealing with the shortage of framing labor. So we're worried about that. We're worried about overspending on finishes. That's where we are in complete control. And Carolyn's right. I am bougie. I want the best of the best of the best. I don't want to settle. I'm sorry. I want the best. I don't approach my job or my life and say, oh, good enough. That's not good enough. <laughs> I want to go the best plus one. Okay. And, I, and I'm looking for that for everything. So we can make some compromise. So instead of spending $50 a square foot on tile, maybe we spend $20 a square foot. Maybe we spend $10 a square foot. But really hone in on the quality of the framing, the quality of the slab on grade, the quality of, of the workmanship before the finishes get into the house. Right. So you are in charge of that piece. That's right. And I'm going to be on top of that piece and really have a good tight home when it comes to that. Right. Because what, what do you have? This intimidator level? How, how long is that stupid thing? That's the... Uh, it's a Stila... St- Stabila. Stabila. It's 7 to 12 foot level. It's the <laughs> it's the equalizer is what I call it. Because the framers know more than I do about stuff. But that level levels the playing field. 
It, it certainly does. So you'll have to dust her off and bring her out in the field. I cannot wait to bust that thing out. I look like Hacksaw Jim Duggan with a damn level across my shoulder instead of two by four. <laughs> it's it's going to be a good time. And, and thankfully, there are so many great options nowadays as far as tile, you know, that looks like oh, yeah. marble and, and just really pretty things that you don't have to spend a pretty penny on. And I love doing that design on a dime and making things look beautiful and not feeling that I've got to overspend. I know that I can make it look good. I know. And and I have confidence in that too. So that's where I'm saying, hey, I want to spend $50 a foot, but I know we can spend 10 because you're going to find the product that's going to that's gonna match the expectations and deliver. Yeah. So, so I, I ain't not, worried. I ain't worried. I'm not worried either. We got this thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we wrap up, Vendor of the Week, we mentioned him earlier, but William Hendricks with Integrity Home Mortgage, absolute rock star. His entire team has been rock stars, and no slight to any mortgage people listening to this that we've worked with in the past, but William Hendricks really sets the bar. He's gone way above and beyond and couldn't be happier with this experience so far. And and Victoria. And Victoria. His team is, is incredible. Yeah, Victoria is... Uh it's taught me off the ledge a couple of times. So for that, I am grateful. Well, good. That's great. All right, let's wrap this one up. Building our own home has been a long-term goal of mine. I mean, probably since I started in the building industry. I remember talking to the bank when I had no experience, no license, and said, hey, what do I got to do to self-build my own home? Like, oh, all you need is all these different documents, and you need all this time in the business and all this. And I was like, I'm never going to get to that. But I set the goal, and then I just continued to work towards it. And now we're doing it. And it's exciting and draining and exhausting and everything that goes in between. Yeah. So stay tuned while our marriage uh, grows. Grows. Does not (laughs) crumble into a thousand pieces. (laughs) Yeah. So this week we talked about the financing, budgeting the build, developing your specifications, and then managing the home building budget, which we're going to dive more into this as we can as we start really building and breaking ground. We'll have additional episodes where we talk about our lessons learned. I think overall this project's going to be rewarding and exhausting. Like I said, at the end of the day, we're going to be extremely happy with a beautiful home, more out in the country with some land, and we can have goats. And are we getting cows too? I don't I don't remember what you said about that, but goats, right? Ixnay on the <laughs> oat gate. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe to the show. Mash like and subscribe. That doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it makes sense. <laughs> and leave a review. As we, we read all reviews. And we actually make changes to improve the content when you guys leave reviews or you send us a text or an email and let us know what we should do differently. Sounds so. great. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>